send for the women. The women who will pray. The women who have talents, gifts, and resources. To do serious damage to demonic agendas. Send for the women. The women who will mourn. The women who haven't allowed bitterness and hate. To turn them into mere mannequins. The women who aren't so downtrodden. That they've forgotten how to feel. Send for the women who still have the ability to feel and cry. So they might wail against what the devil is doing. Send for the women who will weep and wail. The women who will mourn in sackcloth and ashes. Send for the women. The women who will wake up, everyone around them, calling out, the devil is destroying us. Death is on its way. Send for the women who will be God's warning shout to his people, his alarm system, his tornado signal, his air raid siren. The women who God will use to warn his people of the impending consequences of sin. Send for the women who have a God-given destiny to destroy the power of Satan over God's people by waking them up and calling them to a morning of repentance. Women who would teach their daughters to weep against sin and the assault of the devil. Send for the women. Women who have a destiny to open their mouth and cry against the evil that the devil has put upon God's people. Women who have ideas to be voiced, energy to be released, abilities to be exercised, power to be loosed, spiritual gifts to be expressed, prayers to be prayed. Send for the women who look toward the future. To what they can be, what they can do, what they can say, what they can pray, what they can possess that will bring glory to God. Defeat the devil and see a nation saved. Send for the women. believers to a new series of Ancient Wisdom Unveiled. Hey, I'm your host, and together we will embark on a journey of discovery, exploring the hidden treasures of ancient truths. Together we'll delve deep into the realms of faith and protection as we uncover the significance of the powerful piece of armor, the helmet of salvation. Throughout history, helmets have symbolized strength, resilience, and defense in times of conflict. Warriors donned them to safeguard their heads against deadly blows, offering a shield against the perils of battle. But beyond the physical realm and the realm of the spirit, there exists an extraordinary helmet, one that holds the promise of eternal security. Helmet of salvation is not merely a piece of armor, but a profound metaphorical representation. It embodies the assurance of salvation, the divine protection that shields the believer's mind from doubt, fear, and spiritual attacks. Joining us today is you, the believer in Christ, who will help me through the rich tapestry of biblical wisdom Exploring the significance of the helmet of salvation, together we'll venture into the stories and teachings that illuminate its purpose, its role in spiritual warfare, and how it empowers believers to stand firm in the face of adversity. So, dear listeners, fasten your seatbelts, open your hearts, and prepare to unlock the mysteries of the helmet of salvation. Let us embark on this transformative journey of knowledge and revelation. Welcome to Ancient Wisdom Unveiled. Pretty good introduction. All right. (laughs) I loved it. I worked hard on that. I had to really look up some things, and I've been doing a pretty deep dive in all of this because I really had to really learn the impact of the armor of God. And one, in order to be able to sit down with you guys, but um, it's going to be an impactful six-part series. And I know it's going to be impactful because the Lord is the one that has been giving me 
all of my notes, all of my scriptures. I sat down, I prayed about it, and I was like, Lord, I need your direction. I need to know what the armor is about and how it applies to me so that I can, in turn, share with you guys the knowledge that, that I got. And so this is a six-part series because there are six pieces of the armor that God gives us. And in, in a military standpoint, <clears throat> I understand that the helmet goes on last. But I'm going to switch it around and just start from head to toe, all right, for that concept alone. So we're going to start with the helmet of salvation. I have a ton of notes from the Lord. I'm not kidding. I am seriously looking at probably about... Five pages of notes plus scripture, guys. So I have been really, that's why I've been quiet for a while. So let's dig into this um, um, so we can deep dive. All right. So if you have pen and paper and want to follow along, great. You can write it down. I'll, I'll put the, the notes um, in your post and, um, and the scripture references, of course. So here we go. Ancient Wisdom Unveiled. What's the helmet for? So, you know, knowing that during the Roman times, the guards, they, they had their helmets and their swords at all times, right? Of course, they wore the breastplate of righteousness and their feet were girded with the truth. Or, well, not them, but they had their protection on. But it was always the helmet and the sword that they always had close by. It was a measure of confidence and courage to the Roman soldiers in battle, right? And it's the same for us. See, we engage in spiritual conflicts just as they did back then and even the modern day soldier. And it's both to maintain what we have and defend our land. And in the heavenly realms, it's to defend the kingdom land we already possess and to push back that kingdom of darkness and take new ground for the kingdom of light by bringing others to the knowledge of the Lord for those that are willing to hear. See, just like the Roman soldier, we cannot afford to leave our helmet of salvation behind anywhere we go. And that was the problem that I even had as a soldier in the military. When we were out in deployments, whether we were in Iraq, Saudi, it didn't matter. Afghan, Somalia, all the different wars. As a sergeant in the military, we were constantly yelling at our soldiers, put your helmet on, you know, and then you'd be picking up helmets. Whose is this? You know, and so you're, you're constantly going, how do you not know this protects that head of yours on your shoulders from the enemy. And I began to think about that. This protects my head from the enemy. Well, what does that mean? See, it covers our minds with a kingdom mentality, and that's what I began to think of. It assures us of one important thing, guys, that we are not fighting for our salvation because we already have it right we are fighting from our salvation from the perspective that we already have it we are defending what is actually ours now see salvation came to us from Christ's work on the cross right that's like what do we need a helmet for I got my salvation from Christ well now you have to protect it we do not have to fight the enemy to keep it. It is ours. And it gives us courage and confidence in battle to know that we have it right there. But it's not just looking at it right there on the ground or thrown on the bed or thrown on the couch. This is a, a helmet that you have to wear daily. Even if you're... You're in the shower, you're in the bathroom because the enemy comes in like a flood. He comes in seeking any moment that you do not have that helmet on. Our mind is that battleground 
And if Satan could get you to doubt your salvation, well, he just got under that helmet. Did you have that chin strap on tight? Did you go that extra notch on it? See, I've come to find out it's your identity that Satan wants to steal. Because for the longest time, I was like, okay, he can't steal my salvation. Because when I'm bought through the blood of Jesus Christ, what is it that he actually steals? But it, I come to find out through this study, it's our identity that he wants to steal. See, if he can take that, then guess what? We draw further and further away from the Lord Almighty. And then our salvation in the end becomes stolen. Yes. Because our identity, we question who we are. Am I really a child of God? Am I really saved? Well, wait a minute. You know, I did bad things back then. Well, wait a minute. I just I just said a bad word. Well, wait a minute. My thoughts were impure. Am I really saved now? And that's how he gets in. See, our salvation is something that we have to protect because it was meant to implement an entire new way of thinking in our life. What do you mean new way of thinking, Monica? Well, see, with man, everything is impossible. But with God, when we have the salvation and we walk with the Lord and that helmet of salvation, nothing is impossible with God to those that believe. That's why, and, and one of the reasons why we have to protect our mind. See, salvation is like this, and this is how I've come to understand it more and more and more. Salvation is like that insurance. It's like that comprehensive coverage, right? Everything you need to stay safe against the attacks. It covers everything else. The rest of the insurance doesn't. But it's up to us to put it on and to use it. So many people just go, yeah, I prayed, I read my Bible, that's enough. No, it's not. That's, that's only one piece of your armor, which is the Bible. And prayer is not part of your armor. Prayer is an action that we do. So here's what I began to, to study and, and to look up and, and come, come full circle around with this. And what I found interesting, too, is that it's pretty pretty clever for Paul to bring up um, the, to use the analogy of the helmet of salvation. We know that he grabbed it during that Roman times, but the concept that he used the helmet of salvation into something like this as the armor of God is just so profound. I was just like, wow. I mean, this was a great, fun, deep dive. And I really appreciate those that have encouraged me to go, hey, let's look at this. Because it really opened my eyes. And I hope this study will also open your eyes deeper into what this helmet is for. So in history, there was a Roman soldier his name was Brutus Maximus. What a name, right? He was a Roman soldier and he fought, obviously, in his helmet. But he also added one piece of equipment to it that I was like, no way. He added a mask that was molded in the image of his emperor, Caesar Augustus. It was a tactic meant to disturb and dismay his enemies, send them, you know, give them that fright. And I was like, wow, how can we do the same for our emperor, for our Lord? What effect do you think that would have on the kingdom of darkness? Amazing effect, right? So with the helmet of salvation, I tried to look at how to use it, what it detours, what it protects from. And we're going to take a really good deep dive into this.
And so we're going to be all over scripture today. So you're going to have quite a list of things going on. And um, we're going to get into this. I'm just, I'm, I, I'm amazed. It really is. It's just one of those things where I'm just amazed. So, all right. Our thought life. Number one thing, our thought life. It is the battleground, right? Our mind is that battlegr battleground. And the enemy tries to attack it daily. It fills our mind. He tries to fill our minds with things. And you think about it. What did he do to Eve in the garden? He spoke doubt and lies to her. And it's the same old, same old trickery, same old tactic. From the very pers first person he decided to use this on, it's the same tactic he's still using on mankind today. At the same time, you're sitting here going, well, that's kind of stupid. But, contraire, mon frere, it seems to work on the humans. We tend to fall for it. We fall into doubt. We believe the lie. I mean, look at the political realm. People are believing the lie about a stolen election, about the hatred towards Trump. They all believe that. It's a lie. Satan is the father of all lies. And so what do we do with all of that? Well, Scripture says, and I'm using the NIV for the podcast. Yes, I like to use the NIV for the podcast. Helps me stay on tack. And um, whatever you use, by all means, stick with it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? All right. So, Romans. We're going to go over to uh, Romans chapter 12. And it's um, verse 2. All right. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so I started looking at this verse and I was like, okay, don't conform to the pattern of this world. What is the pattern of this world? Well, the pattern is hate, money, greed, lust, envy, you know, wickedness in the hearts. And so I was like, okay, I can agree there. Okay, so let's go on here. And it, then he goes on to say, by the renewing of your mind. Well, how do we renew our mind? And so I went up a, a sentence and it says, be transformed. Be transformed. Well, what do you mean by that? So I looked it up. It means to adapt, adjust, amend, convert it. And I was like, oh, okay. You have to adapt by the renewing of your mind. You and as I began to put each word in here, you have to adjust by the renewing of your mind. You have to amend or change the renewing of your mind. You have to be converted by the renewing of your mind. Does it make sense? And how do we how do we do that? How do we adapt? How do we adjust? Well, it is bringing every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. And I began to call this concept of how do we capture those thoughts? We know once we capture it, right, what do we do? Well, we're supposed to bring it into the obedience of Christ. And so I began to implement the three R's. Ours as in Romeo. Ours as in Romans, right? 
And it is, first of all, reject the thought that comes into our head. If it is not what Paul said in Philippians, which we're going to go there a little bit later on, if it is not things that are Christ-like, we reject that thought. First you capture it, then you reject it and say, no, I'm not going to do it. You renounce it. And then on top of that, we need to replace it with scripture. And you're like, well, what scripture? What if I'm doubt? How do I bring scripture about doubting? Look it up. Look up scripture about fear. Look up scripture about doubt. Look up scripture about anger. You have the Version Bible app. You can put one word in there. Anger, lust, doubt, finances, any topic. And it'll come up with a verse for it. God's word does not have an answer for, for only like A to C. God's word has an answer for everything. Because guess what? God came down on earth so that none of us could say, Oh, you didn't go through that. Yes, he did. Not only did he come to die on the cross, but he lived through everything. And, and how do I know that? Because there were times that I actually caught myself going, well, Lord, how would you know this? You never lived through that. You never lived through the hurt of, of family hurting you. And the Lord stopped me and he said, really? And then what did I do on the cross? Who did that to me? I was like, man, Lord, my bad, you know, I'm sorry. And, and I had to ask the Lord for forgiveness. The Lord went through everything. Rejection of friends and family. He went through all of the hurt. His father, God the Father, even turned his head because of the sin that he had bore on him while he was on the cross. So I totally understand now. And so what we have to do is replace those thoughts with scripture. And it works, you guys. I've done it. I've had those thoughts that come into my head, you know, of you don't have to go to church. It's okay to miss one day. You know, sure it is. But do I want to miss out on the blessing? Do I want to miss out on what the Lord may have for me at church? No. And then I was like, wait a minute. No. You know what? Give me that thought that you threw at me. And I'm going to give it to you, Lord. And this is not from you. Deal with that thought. And I reject it. I renounce it in the name of Jesus. And then I started replacing it. Do not forget the assembly of the righteous. Don't forsake that. And I started replacing scripture with it. How do I know that that works? Because Jesus did it when he was tempted by the devil. Each time the devil tempted him with anything, he turned around and he quoted scripture and the devil left. So it's imitating the action that Christ did of bringing every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. We have to bring the thought captive. Jesus himself just rebuked him with scripture. See, the enemy, uh, the enemy seeks who and when he can devour you. He looks for every opportunity to snag you in anything, whether it's a temptation, whether it's an attitude, whether it's in your actions. And I've learned that there are three voices in our heads. Three, yes, three, one, two, three, <laughs> right? Three voices in our head. One is God, then there's ours, then there's Satan. And how do you know which one to listen to? We all know that we should be listening to the Lord, but do you know the difference between the three? And as I sat down, I started looking and I go, okay, what does the enemy do? Well, that was easy. The enemy condemns us. He always tells us those lies. You aren't good enough. You are a sinner. 
You won't go to heaven because you, you missed praying. You're not going to heaven now because you just looked at that woman or you looked at that guy. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's easy what Satan does. It's all lies. But what does our voice say? And there I was like, hmm. Well, when the enemy comes in and he tells us these lies, what is usually our reaction when we're getting tempted, when we're lured into that, right? And it's usually that self-doubt. It's the I concept. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm good enough. I can't do this. Well, I know that this. So all of that self-doubt comes in. It's the I concept. We start saying I, 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 I. And Jesus' voice, God's voice, the eternal father. He always brings love. He always brings truth. There's always safety in his words. And when he brings conviction through the Holy Spirit, he brings us to repentance. He shows us the word of God. He shows us the sin in a way that brings us to that point of repentance, not condemnation the way the enemy does. Oh, look at you now. You're an idiot. You're a moron. You should just go kill yourself. And then he gets us oppressed. Now we're in depression. Now we have anger. Now we have anxiety. And it just, it just keeps building and building and building until you're ready to just jump off the cliff. But God doesn't do that. So let's look at Romans. Or not Romans. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, Philippians. We're going to go to Philippians, and it is Philippians 4. And we're going to go to uh, verse 6. Nope, let's, back, let's go back up. Let's go to verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is always near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. See, in that worry, and, and, and whether it's finances, whether it's that anger, no matter what it is, whatever's got you razzled, whatever's got you stressed out and worried about something, I've learned to just go, you know what, God? I am so frustrated right now. And I've even told God, oh, I just want to grab that person by the throat. And it's okay to bring it to the Lord. Better to bring it to the Lord than to go and act on it. And I brought those things to him. It says in every situation, bringing it to the Lord. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. It will go beyond your understanding. See, what does transcend mean? Well, let's look it up. Transcends. It's to pass beyond the limits of a category or a conception. To be greater than as in quality or intensity to surpass something it means to exist above and beyond and independent of material experience or the universe wow that just goes right to god right and so it says it, the peace the peace of god it says will transcend it will go beyond the limits it will be greater than and it will Go to exist above and independent of material experience or the universe. That's a spiritual saying right there to transcend. It will transcend all understanding. It'll go way beyond that. You're talking about going into the spiritual realm. And it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Boom, baby. Right? 
big one. All right, now we're going to take a look at verse 8. And here is what we can look at our thoughts and judge them by. It's, Paul goes on to say, and says, finally, verse 8, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Here's what we can do. If we're angry and I know we get into those arguments with our significant others or on the phone with people, you know, and let me, let me just go on a side note here. This is how the Lord totally flipped my script on me one day. Phone rings and I look at it and it's a phone number from my local area. And I was like, okay, because normally if it's a different area code, I won't answer my phone because it's usually spam. So I see it and I was like, oh, okay, somebody here in the area. It's probably somebody I need to talk to, right? And I answered the phone and all I heard was this Asian voice talking about, oh, you have um, back pain, right? You know, however <laughs> that their dialect or their accent is, you know, and it was a scam. And I was like, doggone it. Talking about, I'm going to send you, you know, this back device and Medicare covers it. I'm like, I'm not even on Medicare. Automatically, I'm, uh, or no, wait, let me back up. No, wrong story. This gal was an Asian, whether Chinese or I don't know what. She calls and says that Medicare um, is now covering the uh, COVID vaccine and we can send one to you for free. And so let me get your address and everything and I'll send you one. Now, in my mind, guys, I was like, are you serious? No, wait, now hold on. Let me tell you why I was saying, are you serious? It was because it was a person of Asian descent, whether it was China, Japan, or whatever. It was just the fact that my mind went there. And if you're following along, you're probably caught on to what I'm about to say. <laughs> I went to the, are you serious? I said, hold on now. And I said, do you really hear what you are saying? You sound like you're from China. And you're trying to tell me that you're going to send me a COVID vaccine for free. Where did COVID come from? Wuhan. That's where it came. <laughs> I did. I went off on her. And um, she's like, oh, no, I'm not from China. I'm not Chinese and all this. And I'm just like, but you see my concept, right? You see why I'm thinking this. Where are you from? It sounds like somebody from the Asian descent, whether, you know, categorizing them all. And, um, and then on top of that, the Lord flipped my script because I was frustrated that I answered the call and I got caught into this and it, I was busy doing something else. And then here I am with this scenario. And the Lord said, ask her if she knows me. I went, what? Okay, and, and I automatically obeyed. And that's the thing with the Lord. When God asks us to do something, we have to obey automatically, without doubt, because he has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. And so I automatically said, do you know Jesus? And she's like, what? I know, understand. Now, here we go with this, right? And uh, I said, do you know Jesus? <laughs> nice and slow. And she's like, yes, I know Jesus. I said, do you know that he died on the cross for your sins? Yes, I know he died on the cross. And um, so then it was like, okay, is she just 
going along. Just say yes. So I decided to go, well, where do you go to church? And then all of a sudden it's, what? I don't understand, you know, and everything. Well, the phone call went on for a little while, and and I ended up getting off the phone, and um, she told me she went to church. She told me she was from Florida, and um, told just it it was a good conversation. I totally flipped the script with the help of the Lord, and who knows what that did in her life? Who know? Only God knows what she is going through in life, and to remind her about Jesus. So who knows, you know, it was a seed planted, whether she's a Christian or not, it was a seed planted, and, and it was watered if she is a Christian. So there's where I, I bring into the whole concept of, you know what, bringing every thought captive. As much as things aggravate us, you know, and we get angry at those things and we want to lash out. And that's where the sin comes comes in is when we react in the anger. Because Jesus said, "You it, be angry. It's an emotional feeling he gave us. But in your anger, don't sin. And so here's where I say Philippians Four, verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, think on those things, all of it through. So that's something to help us right then with that thought that is not right or that attitude. Grab it, say, no, I renounce this, I reject it, and replace it with the Word of God, just like Jesus did. All right, and um, so salvation salvation is about our identity it's what we have to put that helmet on for we have to protect our salvation because if we let the enemy come in it will destroy us it did eve it did adam and don't think that oh no i'm, I'm too strong my salvation is secure i mean Peter denied the Lord three times and he walked with Jesus, physically touched Jesus. So don't think that, that you're strong enough to, to fight the enemy and that you're secure. It's an ongoing battle until we get to heaven. Even the pastors, even the, even a Kent Christmas, even a you know, Pat Robertson, all of that. nobody is able to ward off the enemies to where they do not need that helmet of salvation. All right, so I'm going to go back over to, well, let me get through this part first. See, our minds alienate us from God. What do you mean by that, Monica? Well, see, our mind is the battleground for everything. We either have good thoughts, impure thoughts, and if there's impure thoughts, then God cannot look at that. He can't draw close to you because of that sin. So it often will separate us from it. Let's go to Colossians um, 1, it's right after Philippians. Colossians 1, and it's in verse 21. And of course, I'm going to go, um, go up to verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, dwell in you and me, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood, shed on the cross. So that's how he was able to dwell within us because he reconciled himself through the dying on the cross. Verse 21, this is the one I wanted to highlight. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, because of the evil thoughts, the thoughts that were not pleasing to the Lord. And then he goes on to say, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight 
without blemish and free from accusation. And then Paul goes on to say, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant to. See, just as the brain is for the body, our mind is servant to our soul. The brain keeps everything going. The brain says, pain, pain. Our mind says things to, you can't do that. Are you good enough? And where do those thoughts come from? The enemy. Right? So our mind is servant to our soul. So it's important to keep the helmet of salvation on our mind to not only protect those thoughts and ward it off, but also to protect our soul, protect our spirit, which in turn protects our salvation. Did you know Golgotha, the place where Jesus was crucified? It was significantly known as the place of skulls, right? Why is that? And this I looked up and researched and I found this so powerful and impactful to me. I was like, wow. The place of skulls, it was the mountain. Mount Golgotha. It was a shape of a skull. No, serious, I kid you not. It was a shape of of a skull. You know what I think of when I think of the place of a skull or the shape of a skull? Well, we're going to take a quick break and I'll tell you when we get back after this. Hey folks, this is Joe Russiello, host of the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Join us as we open up and study the precious Word of God, your King James Bible. Every Sunday at 3 p.m. Central Time and Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Time, live on Spreaker or on our website at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Hey, so check out um, Joe on the Sword of the Spirit podcast. I speak with him a lot. Um, we are talking about getting together and corroborating on some Bible studies together, maybe do one together. We're, so it's a matter of meshing, time frames, everything. So, you know, look him up. He's got some great insights. He really does a lot of the end times, pre-trib, post-trib. He, he addresses it. He does studies on, on the end times. So if you'd like to take a look at that, um, you can take a look and see what you think. Um, but, all right, Golgotha. It's known as the place of skulls. It's shaped like a skull. So what do I think of this? If you have not seen any of the uh, King Kong movies, remember, for those that have seen it, remember if there was the King Kong one at the place of the skull. It looked like um, King Kong's, right? It looks like the gorilla skull. And so they did that one great. But what I think of that the, the mountain of Golgotha was a shape of a skull, that's what I automatically resort to because then it's visual. I know what it looks like because I've seen it in the movies, right? And so that's what it reminds me of. But check this out. There was meaning in what the Lord did there at Golgotha. It was the place of skulls. It was shaped like a skull. And in reality, the skull is our head, right? It's our mind, right? What happened on Golgotha? The cross pierced the skull. Jesus was put on the cross at the skull. This is a type and a shadow of the cross having the power to renew our minds. Isn't that cool? I mean, I was like, no way. Everything has meaning in what the Lord has done for us. Everything has purpose. It is it is opening our eyes, opening our ears, our hearts, and just going, 
Wow. Okay. Mind blown. When we're here, we're doing a study on the helmet of salvation, right? I was just, I was just amazed at that. I was like, wow, Lord, you are beyond the word wisdom. You, everything has, I, I was blown away. I'm still blown away by that. All right. All right. So let's go over to uh second, let's go over to second Corinthians and we're going to go in uh, chapter 10 and we're going to look at 10 verses um, three. We're going to go three to six. It says, they all ate the same spiritual food. Right here, he's talking about um, our ancestors, uh, our brothers and sisters during the time that they were alive. He says, they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink that you and I do. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now we're talking about Israel, right? Now these things occurred. They were occurred as example to us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. So it's the example to look back and then we could go, oh yeah, that story was good. Daniel and the lions did or what Moses did. Don't strike the rock twice. You know, what Abraham did. You know, and we can look at it as examples or just simply, oh, this was a Bible story. We read it, done deal. But no, they have meaning. They have purpose. They renew our minds. They get us to go, okay, we drink from the same, like it says, from the same spirit. And this is what they did. So learn from that example and don't do that. And so I was just like, wow. See, when, when we take on salvation, our spirit has been born again. But our minds, our minds will remember the sins of the past. And it will cling and hold on to the old ways of, of thinking, the old man, that sinful nature. And that's why I say the three R's. Reject it, renounce it, and replace it with scripture. Because, see, we, we battle. The Lord knows that we battle with our flesh. Daily, it's a spiritual battle that we deal with daily, but we can fight it by putting on the helmet of salvation, bringing those scriptures in, reminding ourselves of who we are in Christ. See, when we go back to that, to Romans 12, the key phrase is pattern of this world. That's what our mind remembers, and that's what it's so used to doing. And our mind, it's, it's as it remembers, it remembers the sin, the hopelessness, the negativity, and the anger. We often succumb to the anger of things in this world. But it's what we do that is either a sin or praiseworthy to the Lord. We are angered at those who don't see it our way in politics. Or don't see it in our way when we're trying to present our case before a family, a friend, you know, a loved one, the job. Easily angered in family spats. People are feeling hopeless because things are getting worse. So all of those things, right? So how do we break the pattern? How do we fall into the pattern that God desires for us? And it's that one of joy and hope. You know, the one that says in Philippians, whatever things are true, that one. See, again, Paul reminds us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, to change. And that's why we wear the helmet of salvation. That's why we do the three R's. Second Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, that we just read, is our answer. We can look at the example that what our Bible heroes of old did. 
And we could say, no, I'm not going to be doing that. And I'm, I'm sure you could think of plenty more. See, it's spiritual warfare that we are in. We are protecting our salvation. We are fighting, saying, nope, this is mine. I'm kingdom. I'm kingdom. I am an heir to the kingdom of the throne. See, verse 5 well, 2 Corinthians. I'm in 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 10. Let's flip over there real quick. Because I was like, wait a minute. This is just... It was a good example, yes. <laughs> but let's go to 2 Corinthians real quick. And go to um, verse 10. Or chapter 10. Sorry, guys. 10. And it's... Um, we'll start in verse 3 and go to 5. For though we live in this world, we do not wage war. As the world does. Yep, now I'm back on track. <laughs> the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish. It doesn't say we have divine power to prick, kick, never mind. No, not going there. It says demolish strongholds. Let's look up the word demolish. All right, demolish, demolish. I was going to, um, I don't have it in my notes, so we're looking it up right now. Demolish. It means to tear down or break apart the structure of, to destroy, to do away with completely, put an end to it, to damage severely one's reputation. Wow. Now let's put it into perspective. On the contrary, our weapons have the divine power. Here we go. We're going to put the words in now. To tear down or break apart the structure of. To do away with completely. Put an end to. To damage someone's re reputation severely. To demolish strongholds. Verse 5, look what he goes on to say. We demolish arguments and every pretension, anything that would it sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we, here we go, the three R's, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If that thought goes against the obedience of Christ, if it is anger and wants to lash out, is that who God is? No. It has to come under the obedience of Christ. It has to bow its knee. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your, your, you, once your obedience is complete. Then can you accomplish what you need to do with your weapons of warfare. Pretty powerful, right? See, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not something to battle somebody's attitude out on the job force. That negative boss. That nagging customer. They are not for that rude cashier at Walmart. They are for the spiritual realm. We have to learn to walk so much into the supernatural that it becomes natural. To put on that helmet of salvation and go, I can see clearly now the enemy there, <laughs> right? I don't sing, guys. <laughs> you know, to be able to put that on and go, ah, I see them all. And to be able to do battle and pick up our rest of our armor and put, put it all on, right? You know, it really is recognizing that we, we are in warfare in our sleep because the enemy can plant things you know in our dreams they can plant those thoughts in our head we can have these awful scary dreams you know the lord speaks to us in our dreams we get up you know and it's what side of the bed did we wake on it's every moment of every part of our life it's not just okay i could take my helmet off when I lay down and sleep because everything's fine. No. 
thoughts come into our head as we're laying there trying to doze off to sleep. Then it affects those dreams and just goes on and on and on and on. We're going to wrestle with this until the day we die. It's recognizing that we are in warfare and then casting down everything that comes and disrupts those thoughts, those emotions, our well-being. We have to learn to stop and pay attention to our thoughts, what's being fed to our mind. Is it the Word of God? Is it the TV? Is it the Internet? Is it social media? Is it the political crap? And pay attention to all of that. If they are against us, they are against the Lord. Then we must pull it down and do those three R's that I was saying. And remember, we are not by ourselves in this fight. What you go through, you're not by yourself. What I go through, I'm not by myself. We have all gone through the same things at one point or another in our life. But he gave us this helmet to protect our mind. And we have to keep it on. Get dressed every day. Putting your socks and shoes, your pants, your shirt. You know, going out to deal with society. Grab the helmet at the same time. And you know, I've learned one thing too. I started looking up. I was like, okay, our salvation. What actually is... Our salvation besides yes we come and we acknowledge the Lord he comes into our heart right well the word repent I started looking at at that and in the concordance Strong's concordance and everything and I found that the word repent means to change the way we think see repentance is not a one-time event that I have found it's something that we will do until the day we go to be with the Lord. See, instead of defending and agreeing with the lies of the enemy, we need to repent and change the way we think on a daily basis. Sometimes for others, it's on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. It's allowing our minds to come into alignment with the truth of God. And that's why it's important to be in the Word every single day. If you've got to listen to a chapter while you're in the bathroom cleaning up for the day, then do it. Most people think repentance simply just means, you know, uh, feeling sorry for our sin. You know, repent that you did wrong. Others think it means like making an about face. You're turning your life around 180 degrees. But the problem with that is turning away from something is not enough. See, we need to turn towards the person of Jesus Christ and allow our minds to be renewed. If we don't change the way we think, we'll just keep turning back to the old ways that, you know, how we were talking about. The mind remembers the, the old man, that sinful nature. So we'll just keep turning back to the old man ways. We have to leave that old man in the past. It died when you were alive in Christ. Let it stay buried. Let it stay back there. I've heard this. I was in this Bible study this one time. And I thought it was pretty cool. And I was going to want to bring it up to you guys. And the instructor that I was sitting with, he said, the best definition of repentance I have heard he broke down the word into two parts. He said re and pentance. Re means the word re, the prefix re means to go back. And pentance is like penthouse, going back to the highest place, return to the penthouse. Pretty cool, huh? See, the Bible says we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. And that's in Ephesians 2.6. But see, when we repent, we are not only forgiven, but brought into the heavenlies. We are made right. That's why the Lord can draw near to us now. The highest place with God is, is receiving his perspective. Sometimes 
when we are going through that problem or, or situation, that issue in our life, and we were standing there at the foot of that mountain that's in front of us, and we're like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is a huge issue. Well, you, one, you just pulled up your helmet of salvation because there's doubt right there. But if we were to climb up and be brought into the heavenlies, the highest place with God, and to see it from his perspective, what does that mountain look like? Pretty small, huh? We have to start seeing how God sees things. Because there is absolutely nothing that is impossible to God. I mean, he parted the Red Sea. He brought water out of a rock. He brought Lazarus to life. He created the universe. To sit there and go, well, yeah, I know God can do it, but, 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 but. When we say but, 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 we doubt the God of all. And we have no concept of the size and the, and the, the vastness of God. And if you remember last week's Bible study, we talked about what King David said. There's nowhere where we can hide where God does not see us. And then how big Solomon brought up that he fills the temple. So we have to think supernaturally so much that it becomes natural. And we have to keep renewing our minds when the impossible just seems possible. You remember, like, like in the past, like not having money to pay the bills, how it brought stress. But now, it brings that strange sense of excitement and expectation for God to make a miracle happen. Those type of things. So keep the helmet of salvation on. Fight for your salvation. Renounce, reject, and, and repeat scripture. Replace it with the scripture that you know. Even if it's John 3.16, it is the word of God. doesn't have to line up with the situation you're going to. Any scripture is sharper than any double-edged sword. Dividing to the bone and the marrow. Dividing the soul and the spirit. So quote your scriptures that you do know. Replace it with that thought that may sneak under that helmet of salvation. And remember... You will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in you. So remember, the devil will do anything and everything he can to keep you from believing the truth. Guys, make no mistake about it. He knows that you are chosen. He knows you're holy. He knows that you are dearly loved child of God. He knows you have been created to fulfill a great purpose that God has planned for you. He knows it and he hates it. And that's why he's trying to get into that mind. That's why he's trying to stop you from completing the purpose that God has set in your heart. From finishing your race, from, from completing the destiny of your life. His goal is to keep you from believing it. And if he can keep you from believing the truth about your new identity, then he's won. See, true confidence comes when the words God speaks about you become more real to you than the lies you've believed all your life. We will always have a choice to believe the God who made us fearfully and wonderfully made. Or... Believe the deceiver who wants to hold us hostage in that less than mentality. Keep the helmet of salvation on. It will, it will change. Always begins with choice. Are you going to wear it? Or are you going to leave it thrown on the couch? Are you going to leave it thrown on the bed or the floor as you climb into bed? See, the voice you believe will determine your destiny, whether you remain in the land of in-between or venture toward the land of milk and honey. The exciting, the adventurous life in Christ, it is exciting. It's dangerous. 
but it's also rewarding. Many of us are driven by a scarcity mentality and see ourselves through the lens of our pre-Christ, how we were before. And that's where the doubt comes in. He constantly, the enemy constantly pushes your past on you. Oh, remember this? Remember that? That's why the mind remembers spiritually dead existence rather than our born again, spiritually alive and empowered identity. It's knowing you have to know who you are in Christ. We are held hostage to the idea that we'll never be good enough. When Jesus clearly tells us that through him, we already are. We are more than conquerors. So allow God to baptize your mind in the word of God and the affirmation of your true identity. And I hope that the importance of the helmet of salvation was relayed in all of this. I hope that you understand the importance. It is the only piece of armor that God gave us that is put on as a defense mechanism for our spiritual salvation. Everything else we have that we'll go into these next five weeks is to now go on the attack. And with that, have a blessed day, everybody. Peace out. Well, hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Helmet of Salvation. Join me next week when we take a look at the breastplate of righteousness and how it will shield us, how it will protect our faith and our heart. And hey, if you would like to interact with me or get more exclusive content on a day-to-day basis, Join me on Patreon and subscribe to my page for as little as a small cup of coffee. You can join at www.patreon forward slash the busy believer. And there you can interact with me more often and listen to exclusive content that we put out daily just for you as a subscriber. And with that, have a blessed day, everybody. See you next week.